When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 60 minutes of insight and analysis on the Volunteers and Titans. Powered by the Outkick Network. This is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Powered by Outkick and served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, we welcome you to the Tennessee Power Hour across the Outkick Network with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us and a lot to discuss as Georgia takes down Tennessee in a battle of one versus three, 27-13 the final, and the Titans fall in overtime on Sunday night football to the Kansas City Chiefs 20-17. to We'll break down both games. We'll preview both matchups for both programs coming up as Tennessee takes on Missouri, and the Titans have the Broncos at Nissan Stadium. Chad, Saturday was all about Georgia and not all about Tennessee. And I wish it lived up to the billing, but it didn't. Yeah, and this is the first Tennessee Power Hour that we've had this year, Hutton, (laughs) where both teams lost with the Titans and Balls because it's Tennessee's first loss of the season. And the Titans followed up with a a close, kind of surprising close overtime loss, the Chiefs that we'll talk about later. Yeah, you know, all all week leading up to this game, I, I I was like you, I was expecting a closer game than what we got. But I kept thinking in the back of my mind, you know, maybe Georgia's just the one team that has the dudes on the outside and up front that can just big boy the Vols. And that's exactly what they did. I thought this game was way more about how good Georgia is again and how they are now clearly the favorite to repeat. Doesn't mean they're going to, but they're the favorite to repeat as national champions. And they're going to have to beat some really good teams to do that. Uh, But I also thought, you know, an underlying story in this game was Tennessee not being ready for the atmosphere they got at at Georgia. And I think that showed time and time again. Look, Georgia was great. Tennessee was not good. Uh, Tennessee was uncharacteristic. We're going to discuss that in this game. I I thought they were hesitant. They were tentative in this game throughout. But I I really think that – let's keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Georgia is as talented as I thought and better than I expected going into this game based on what we had seen this year – it has been sort of a steady build to get to this moment, to get to this game for them, and they unleashed hell on the Vols for 60 minutes, and they're the superior team right now. That's no big surprise coming into this season or coming out of this game, but the surprising thing was how well Tennessee played all year to build up to this one versus two in the AP matchup and then to really sort of lay an egg for the Vols, but uh, most of that was due to Georgia's great play. Maybe we'll get a, a rematch down the road. We'll we'll certainly get to that, plus recap the game. And all of our discussion throughout this hour, presented by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, get you some Greenbrier. And, Chad, when we lead off with the Vols, we lead off with our great friends at Regal Realty Group. That's right. Regal Realty Group, my good friends, Hunter Briley, Richard Van Clive. I'm excited to have them on board as a presenting sponsor of the show. Known these guys for a long time. Hang out with them. These guys and their entire team of agents at Regal Realty Group, they're good people. They want to work with good people. It's really that simple. They love networking. They want to have you in their network. They want you to have them in their network. So if you're looking to buy or sell your home, 
Regal Realty Group will help you from contract to closing and everything in between. Let them do the heavy lifting and make it easy for you. Hit them up at regalrg.com. That's regalrg.com. So this game was about what Georgia wanted to do, not what Tennessee wanted to do. And Chad, for the first time, Tennessee was not themselves on Saturday in Athens. Well, it got off to a great start. Uh, Latrell yeah. Mumphis forces the fumble, the strip of Edwards, and they get the ball to Georgia 48. And I really think that first series for Tennessee was a precursor for the entire game. They get 12 yards in the first couple plays. Then they start to back themselves up. Pre-snap penalties, procedural penalties. The crowd got to them. They end up connecting. Uh, Chase McGrath had a good day for Tennessee. He ends up connecting on a 46-yard field goal. Tennessee's up 3 nothing. But the fact they didn't go down and score seven, I thought set the tone for what Georgia was going to do to them defensively and how this game was going to go. Georgia goes down and scores. Tennessee then gets a stop. They've, they've got an opportunity. And D. Williams is tentative to field the punt. He lets it go. It would have been a tough catch, but it's got to, got to catch that punt. Gets behind him, goes out at the one-yard line. The rest is really history from that point on. First quarter which Tennessee has feasted on the first quarter in the first two years under Josh Heupel, not just this year. It was Georgia 207, Tennessee 64 in yardage. They ended that first quarter at first and goal at the four-yard line, about to go up 21-3 to in the game. It was over from that point on. It was Georgia that blitzkrieged the Vols in the game, and I think in large part because Tennessee just looked out of sorts. They, they weren't playing to their identity of fast, confident, aggressive in that first quarter. They got knocked off balance, and they really couldn't regain their footing the rest of the game. It was a very Tennessee-like performance by Georgia in that first quarter to really take over the game. Yeah, defensively for Georgia, fast, confident, and aggressive. That's exactly how to describe them. No surprise, but a, a bit of a surprise that Hendon Hooker had to hang on to the football for so long. Some of it's on him, some of it's on the offensive line. But, Chad, this is a fast, get-it-out-quick passing game that could not do that. Yeah, it, it was um, it was bad, you know, for the offensive line in this game. I think the one thing that maybe gets lost in this a bit, they ran the ball okay. If you take out the thirty yards and sacks in this game, they they rushed for over hundred. They rushed for one hundred twenty four yards. That's far above the average Georgia has given up this year. But they could not protect. Uh, Georgia's front dominated this game, and on top of that, eight pre snap penalties. Yeah, all of which, most of it, by the offensive line, right? Six pre-snap penalties inside the Georgia 30 with Tennessee with a chance. The worst spot in this was Tennessee had it at the nine-yard line of of, uh, Georgia. I think it was third and two. They get back-to-back false starts because of the crowd. Suddenly it's third and 12. It's incomplete. Tennessee has to settle for a field goal where normally they're going in and punching it in, and it's 21 to 10. And it's a different complexion of the game at that point instead of 21 to six. Uh, so the offensive line had an uncharacteristically bad day against, again, we have to say this about everything in this game, a great Georgia defense. Georgia was better than Tennessee's offensive line. And Hendon Hooker, uh, some of the sacks were on him. You know, he's got to get rid of the football. I know that he said uh, on his Monday media availability that, look, I'm trying to make a play. I don't regret anything. I'm holding on to it long because. I felt like my team needed me to hang in there and do something. But sometimes that something needs to be, you know, second and 10 and not second and 16 after a sack. So you've got to get rid of the ball quicker. Guys were covered. The receivers weren't getting open like they normally were. He was having to hold on and go through more reads. And George is just too good of a defense getting after the quarterback to do that. 
And because of that, he got sacked six times in this game, and Tennessee's offensive line was not themselves. Stetson Bennett was fantastic in this game, um, going on the play action, attacking the Tennessee secondary. The defense wasn't awful. I mean, 27 points is what Georgia posted here. Is this a Tennessee defense that's that's growing up as we enter the home stretch? I thought the secondary was really bad in the first half, which is not a great sign because the secondary has not been good most of the year, but they were terrific against Kentucky. And you're thinking maybe they've taken the next step. I think they took a step back in this game. Uh, you look at the numbers, you know, they give up over 200 yards uh, in the first half, 200 yards passing to Stetson Ben in the first half. And then Georgia, the game plan was, especially in the rain, the entire third quarter, let's run yes. the football. We're up so much. You know, they kind of, they took their foot off the gas. Uh, Stetson Bennett only had four passes the entire second half. So they didn't really do much at all with Stetson Bennett. I thought they were respectable against the run. They ended up giving up a very good against Georgia, 387 total yards. That's a respectable performance. I thought the defense, Hutton, more than anything, made this a manageable game in terms of college football playoff committee at the end of the year. 27-13 does not look that bad. Georgia dominated the game, but people are going to go back and look at that score. And if we're comparing Tennessee to Oregon, which we may at the end of the year, 49-3 to on a neutral field looks far worse than 27-13. So the offense gave them no help in this game, but I thought Tennessee's defense at least kept that final score respectable uh, with a good performance in the second half against the run. What does this do for for Hooker's chances at the Heisman, considering C.J. Stroud and the elements he played in? He did not play well. And as you start to look around the country, there are not too many other front-runner candidates other than Hendon Hooker and C.J. Stroud right now. I think it really hurt his chances. I don't think it ended them. Yeah. I've been hearing some discussion about, well, he's probably going to be in New York, but now he definitely can't win it. I don't buy that. I think with a strong performance – if he gets back to being Hendon Hooker of the first eight games of the season in these final three games and puts up gaudy statistics and amazing efficiency numbers and continues to not throw interceptions, he's got two on the season. Two interceptions all year is what he's thrown. I think he's going to get right back in the discussion. But 23 for 33, 195, no touchdowns, an interception, sacked six times in what became the biggest game of the season with Tennessee at Georgia and a de facto SEC's championship game is not good. A lot of that had to do with Georgia's defense. This was also probably Hinton Hooker's worst performance as the Tennessee quarterback. And again, a lot of credit to Georgia's defense for that, but he wasn't himself in this game. I thought he was seeing ghosts, you know, as the game went on in the second half because of poor play early on. Uh, so look, it, it, there's no doubt it hurts his chances. I don't think it kills his chances at winning the Heisman Trophy. And I still see him as a guy who's going to be invited to New York as a finalist. Let's discuss Josh Heupel, the coaching matchup, not in his favor this past week, but now Missouri is next up. We know what happened in the matchup to Missouri a year ago, and we'll look at the backstrip of the season for the balls, then turn our attention to the Titans. On the Tennessee Power Hour, we are served up by Nelson's Greenbrier, Tennessee Whiskey. The Tennessee Power Hour. Get Chad Withrow's breakdown of this week's big orange matchup next. Cheers, Hunt. Cheers, Withrow. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. 
Head to GreenbriarDistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey and Nelson Brothers Bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get you some Greenbrier. Nelson's Greenbrier reminds you to drink responsibly. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right, and you'll always get the best price. I know because my family has been buying from them for years. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. Hello, Tennessee Power Hour listeners. My name is Hunter Briley, and I am with Regal Realty Group. And my name is Richard Van Clive. I'm also with Regal Realty Group. And we are great friends that treat our clients like great friends, because that's how we want to be treated. We are also born and raised here in Middle Tennessee and support our local team. And with an economy that's affecting everything except the real estate market, it's important to do business with friends that can tell you what's what. From contract to closing, everything in between, we have you covered. Go to RegalRG.com to get started. And happy football season. Hey, it's Hutton. If you're in need of catering from big events to your weekend family gathering, my friends at Edley's Barbecue have you covered. They've been voted Nashville's best barbecue four years in a row, but I vouch for their Nashville-style barbecue far longer. From corporate meetings to box lunches to weddings, rehearsal dinners, and holiday gatherings, your neighborhood Edley's Barbecue location is where to turn. Edley's is a tribute to all things Southern and authentic to all things Tennessee. Nashville-style barbecue. Edley's Barbecue. Order at edleysbbq.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. From Knoxville to Nashville, Titans news and analysis on the Tennessee Power Hour. Talking to Tennessee Vols on the Tennessee Power Hour, served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey and powered by OutKick. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton, and we continue our discussion on the Vols and the loss this past week to Georgia, 27-13, the final. Chad, Josh Heupel was outcoached for the first time all season, and I think Kirby Smart uh, showed everyone why he's the best coach in America as of right now. Yeah, I thought Georgia's offensive plan was was really good uh, early on. You know, you, you're, you become accustomed to seeing Josh Heupel as the team that schemes something up and give someone a look or changes off that look and get someone wide open. It was Georgia doing that in this game offensively. So that's not Kirby Smart's primary side of the ball, but I thought Georgia's offensive plan with Todd Munkin was terrific in this game. And defensively, um, he got the best of Josh Heupel in this game. I don't think it's as much about Josh Heupel not having a good plan and being ready for this matchup with Kirby Smart. I think it's about having a good plan for Kirby Smart and having the players to execute it. Because it's one thing when you go out and you say, we're going to do X against this Tennessee offense. And then they start scoring on you and you have to adjust. Those are two different coaching points because you have to change if what you thought you could do doesn't work. He never had to change because his guys went out there and were good enough to shut down Tennessee's receivers. They were good enough to get the best of a really good Tennessee and a veteran offensive line and get to the quarterback 
So no adjustments were needed because what he thought he could accomplish in this game, he was able to accomplish because of his players. Get physical with Tennessee's receivers. Press up, man coverage, try to knock their timing off, hold them, grab them, do what you can, and see if it's not called. Uh, Georgia had some penalties called against them uh, for pass interference for defensive holding in this game. But I think you grab and hold Tennessee as much as possible and see how the game is being officiated. I think that Georgia was good at that. I think Georgia also has superior players. And defensively, they were able to execute that plan. So, yeah, I think this was in the the win column for Kirby Smart against Josh Heupel in this game from a coaching matchup. Chad, they'll never admit this, nor should they. But I think it also shows kind of the class of the two programs going into the season. If you start looking at Georgia's schedule from a coaching staff perspective, there are a couple teams that you know could possibly get you, right? Oregon, first game of the season. And you start scrolling through Florida, always a big game for the cocktail party right before Tennessee. But Tennessee, Kirby Smart had to be studying what Tennessee was doing every single week. I seriously doubt they were doing that for Missouri, right? From Tennessee's perspective, yeah. it's Pitt, what it's Florida, it's, it's LSU, it's it's the grind. And I think eventually you'll get to a point where there are one or two teams on the schedule coming up that you know can get you. And the other ones, you've got the you've got the lead dogs and the horses to win. And I think that was Georgia's approach. I think they've been studying Tennessee um, for a long, long time. I think you're spot on. And that was admitted after the game. Uh, some of the players kind of slipped up and said, you know, we got some good work in the week of the Florida game on Tennessee with some of the stuff we were doing in game planning. Now, that's a big knock on Florida and the cocktail party hey. and a big rival. But they knew they needed to get ready for Tennessee's offense. So this is something they've been working on for a while. Uh, I think Kirby Smart handled it very well. And it did. It, it felt like, you know, you all respect to Missouri and their performance that night and everything else. Georgia slept walk throughout that game in Columbia, Missouri, and still found a way to win it in the end, but got a scare where they didn't need one because I don't think they were overly focused on Missouri. I don't think they're overly focused on Auburn. They weren't overly focused on Kent State. If you look at some other slightly lackluster performances this season, they were ready for Tennessee. They've been preparing for that for a while. Uh, now they turn around and go to Mississippi State, which is a pretty interesting matchup on the road. But no, I, I'm in 100% agreement with you. I think this is a game they have marked and they've been preparing for for a while, and their plan worked. What do you make of the Missouri matchup now for Tennessee? Because we know Eli Drinkwitz has had this game circled um, since what happened last year. And um, hey, this is also, you mentioned Georgia slept walk through Missouri. Tennessee can't have that happen this week. 62 to 24 was the score in Columbia, Missouri a year ago. And that was the Josh Heupel offense coming out party where Missouri could do nothing. This is a completely different Missouri defense. They are third in the SEC. They are top 10 nationally in overall defense. Blake Baker's done a, an amazing job with this Missouri defense. Now, they've got some good players on defense. They're not Georgia. They're not Georgia's talent level. I don't believe they have the ability to just man up on the outside and have no help and stop Tennessee. I don't think they have the ability to stop Tennessee's run game that way either. So Tennessee's going to have opportunities in this game. They go back home, which is going to be a big help. Um, this is just a very different matchup. You know, Missouri a year ago, their calling card was offense. Defense was really bad. This year it's flipped. Their offense isn't doing much of anything in SEC play. That happened again this past weekend against Kentucky, but their defense is, is very good. They haven't had to play Tennessee yet, though. 
Well, you kind of said that about different defenses this year. You know, Kentucky had not had a good defense, had not had to play Tennessee yet. And we saw how that game went. So, you know, I think the real key in this game is you can't let something abnormal happen. Abnormal would be Brady Cook having a monster game, the five-star freshman receiver, Luther Burden, taking over against your secondary. He's not done anything like that all year. Tennessee being really bad against the run. They need to shut down the run game for Missouri. That's what makes the offense go. They need to not let Brady cook in this game uh, with the passing game. And they need to do what they do on offense. I don't think it's going to be some huge explosion. It's not going to look anything like the year, uh, the, the game a year ago against Missouri's defense. But this is a game that Tennessee can handle easily and have been, have put to bed by halftime. I believe if they come out and play angry and play the way they should after a bad performance against Georgia, Hutton, the key in this game is you can't lose the Georgia game twice. That's everyone's challenge after a bad game that had a lot of hype leading up to it. You can't come back against a worse opponent the next week who's currently under 500 and lose that Georgia game twice. With Josh Heupel's leadership, with this roster, I, I think that's highly unlikely to happen for this Tennessee team. I think they're going to be ready on Saturday. Even with an early kickoff, I think they're going to be fired up and ready to get back on the field and wash that taste out of their mouth. Injury concerns uh, for Jabari Small. He was he was hurt on that physical carry in Athens. What do you make of the depth in the backfield right now and, and Small's injury history, knowing that they, they need the run game to get this offensive engine going? Yeah, the, the depth is non-existent. I mean, Dylan Sampson's a the guy they've gone to some this year, the, the true freshman. Um, but, I mean, they've got nothing else right now that they trust. Out of the backfield, Jalen Wright was the guy once Jabari Small went down on his, I think, third carry of the game on Saturday against Georgia. He fumbled again. Uh, he's, it makes me a little bit nervous with the fumble issues, but I think he's the more explosive back of the two also. Um, look, it, it's it's an issue for Tennessee because they are built on the run game, and it's clear Josh Heupel doesn't trust anyone but Jabari Small or Jalen Wright. So if Small is out, they have to find something with another running back. They have to get carries going uh, for someone else, and, and I think that's going to be imperative. Maybe he can make a go of it. It's kind of been an off-and-on thing all year, and typically he gets back the next week after having an issue in a game. So maybe that'll be the case against Missouri, but I, I think that's that's a little small issue to circle for Tennessee is running back depth right now. That's what they're really missing. Uh, they're going to hit that hard on the recruiting trail, but there's nothing you can do about it right now. they got to get someone else they trust carrying the football. Chad, senior day in Knoxville as Tennessee battles Missouri. And hey, for for the last several years, it's been about the senior classes that are helping build Tennessee back up. This senior class, starting at quarterback, wide receiver, and you can go through the list, it has now reached a different level with this crew. Yeah, I, I think uh, this is a game you get there early if you're a Tennessee fan and celebrate this senior class. Hinton Hooker, of course. Uh, on senior day, but you know everyone that stayed through a lot of turmoil, and this was a team hunting a year ago that was just thrilled to be bowl eligible. <laughs> it was a huge celebration to get to a bowl, right? After all they had gone through with the depleted roster, with everything else, and now here they are on senior day with a legitimate chance to win a national championship, to get in the college football playoff and win a national title. It is a remarkable rise for this program under Josh Heupel, and it's time not to celebrate Josh Heupel, but to celebrate the players that decided not to leave and to stick with this when things looked very bleak for Tennessee football, when Danny White hired Josh Heupel. Um, I think Tennessee fans will show up in full force and be there early on Saturday. 
for the senior day festivities. Uh, but this is a really special group that's helped give give Tennessee some legitimacy in college football nationally. So I think they're going to be celebrated on Saturday, and they should be. It's prediction time for the Tennessee Power Hour. I think Tennessee handles business. I don't think that they erupt the way we saw a year ago against this team. I'm going to say it's right around that that 21-point mark. I'm going to go 35-14 to 14, Tennessee in this game. I think they're probably up two scores at halftime, and uh, it's it's never too tight in this one, but also not a complete blowout like we've seen at times this year. I'm taking the balls 38-17 over Missouri as the march to the college football playoff is officially underway for the balls. Went out. Chad and I both believe they're getting in. The march for the playoffs is also on for the Tennessee Titans. We know they're good. The question is how good. They measured up in certain ways to the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs win in overtime for very distinctive reasons. And we'll chat about that. We'll recap the Chiefs matchup on Sunday Night Football and look ahead to the Titans game against the Broncos on Sunday. On the Tennessee Power Hour, we are served up by Nelson's Greenbrier, Tennessee Wizards. From Knoxville to Nashville. Titans news and analysis on the Tennessee Power Hour. Cheers, huh? Cheers, Withrow. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. Head to GreenbrierDistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey and Nelson Brothers Bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get Get you some some Greenbrier. Nelson's Greenbrier reminds you to drink responsibly. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right, and you'll always get the best price. I know because my family has been buying from them for years. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. Hello, Tennessee Power Hour listeners. My name is Hunter Briley, and I am with Regal Realty Group. And my name is Richard Van Clive. I'm also with Regal Realty Group. And we are great friends that treat our clients like great friends, because that's how we want to be treated. We are also born and raised here in Middle Tennessee and support our local team. And with an economy that's affecting everything except the real estate market, it's important to do business with friends that can tell you what's what. From contract to closing, everything in between, we have you covered. Go to RegalRG.com to get started. And happy football season. Hey, it's Hutton. Get prepared for your next tailgate with my friends at Edley's Barbecue. You've got options, wings in 25 or 50 count platters, smoke pulled pork, the best brisket, tender turkey, and scratch-made sides family style. Edley's is perfect on game day or for take-home. Edley's Barbecue smokes all meats low and slow, and all sides are classic family recipes, fresh every day. Edley's is a tribute to all things Southern and authentic to all things Tennessee. Nashville-style barbecue, Edley's Barbecue. Order at edleysbbq.com. This is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. We are back talking Titans on the Tennessee Power Hour, powered by Outkick, served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. Enjoy responsibly, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Love the Nelson brothers, Charlie and Andy, and love their products. Speaking of products we love, how about a nice Two Rivers Ford? 
Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order from Two Rivers Ford just outside of Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords uh, at just over 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right. You'll always get the best price. I know because my family's been buying from Two Rivers for years. Call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. That's 800-900-1000. Let's talk Titans in what was sort of an improbable close game considering Ryan Tannehill didn't play again. They're in Kansas City against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. But Hutton, the reason it was an improbably close game was a special performance by what is shaping up to be possibly a special Titans defense. And that started with the game plan against the Chiefs that seemingly the Titans defense has kind of mastered when you look at the last three performances. Yes, the, the Titans defense did an amazing job. Mike Vrabel and Shane Bowen, hats off here, because they they have the book on how to defend Mahomes. The Chiefs are going to get their yards. Patrick Mahomes passed for 422 yards in this game. The Titans defense was on the field for 41 minutes and 28 seconds. But until the very end of the game, they had held Kansas City to a season low in yards per play, and they forced Mahomes to throw a career-high 25 incomplete passes. They took away the run game completely, um, except for Mahomes. If you just look at the running backs, and KC, whenever they tried to run it, Chad, that was a win in this game. I don't know. There were certain times that they would hand off, and I'm thinking, man, that that is not the way to go about uh, trying to attack this Titans defense if you're the Chiefs, because... The running backs for KC had 11 carries for 14 yards. Top to bottom, this reminded me a lot of the Cincinnati playoff loss. It came in different descriptions offensively, but defensively, it was a great effort. Special teams-wise, you got what you needed, but it was not complimentary football, to use a coaching cliche. And that's why Kansas City won 20-17 to in overtime. Yeah, it was a great, great performance from that defense. And uh, I agree with everything you said on, on the plan and, and what they've been able to do. Uh, the plan offensively, though, Hutton, first half versus second half, seemed to be a little bit different for the Titans and Todd Downing. What was different about the first half offense versus the second half offense? Well, the first, I mean, they had three possessions um, with a chance to make it a two-score game and could not do it after what was a very solid start. I really liked the plan going into the game. You know, the read option with Malik Willis. Willis completes, you know, five passes in this game, but you're looking at it going, man, he he put some other throws on the money. Um, I, I thought the the first throw and catch to a Conquo was was good. Um, the, the Titans held a lead for 33 minutes and 28 seconds. And, Chad, the, the second half, after they hit six plays of 15 or more yards in the process of scoring – those two touchdowns they after after that on their drives they gained one yard minus one yard seven yards eight yards minus two yards six yards eight yards minus two yards minus four yards no yards punt minus 16 yards it was awful and we saw the 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 titans offense crumble after they were doing okay early on i don't know if you agree with me on that but I thought it was it was a different. I, I thought they were doing great early on, honestly, and, to score those fourteen points on back to back drives. I thought that was terrific for the Titans' offense. And this is par for the course right now with Todd Downing and the Titans' offense. 
and we can point to personnel and we certainly will. I'll, I'll, you'll, you'll hear me spout on this coming up, but let's first look at the play calling and just think of what they could have done here. The second half offense inept all season in late in games after being strong in the first half, they had 22 net yards in the second half and overtime combined um, 207 net yards in the first half. They had outgained Kansas city through most of the first half. And then it just all fell apart. And, you know, a case in point is they've got a chance to add a field goal with about 11 minutes or so in the fourth quarter. And on second down, Malik Willis throws to Nick Westbrook Akine down the right sideline. Now, it was a it was a it was going to be a great catch if Akine made it. Willis put it on the money. NFL wide receivers got to make that catch. But you're not in field goal range at that point. After that play, they throw a screen to Hilliard. He's blown up. And they're punting inside Kansas City territory instead of getting a field goal, which felt like if you get three there, the game's over. It's a two-possession game. And it didn't feel like Mahomes was going to score twice on the Titans in the fourth quarter. It just didn't. And for whatever reason, um, they were acting like it was 30-27 to 27 instead of the, the the score that we saw, 17-9. to nine. And I, I just don't understand why they're going for it with, a backup quarterback on second down throwing to at best a third possession receiver that's acting like a number one right now. It, it was to, to me, mind boggling. Mind boggling also was Westbrook Akine's claim after the game that no one's talked about a deficiency at receiver until that game on Sunday. That's been all of the talk since AJ Brown was traded away was that. So I'm, I'm not sure exactly what he's reading or what he's hearing, but uh, that is certainly Chad, not the case with this team. Chad, just real quick, the second-half offense for the Titans, they have scored the fewest points in the NFL. They have gained an NFL low 102 yards on average in the second half. They've converted 24% of their third-down opportunities, also worst in the league in the second half. And on Sunday night, they did not convert a third down after an early conversion on a touchdown drive in the first quarter. They finished the game 0 for 9 on third down. Some of that is offensive line and penalties and, and different things. Some of that is just simply play calling. And for whatever reason, Todd Downing got out of the plan they had in the first half, which was more run Malik Willis than throw Malik Willis. And it was more Derrick Henry production than it was in the second half for sure. That is certainly not good uh, for, no. the, for the Titans. Those numbers you just rolled through in the second half. Hutton, there's coming out of this game, there's reasons for despair. There's reasons for hope. I think when you look at this Titans team and this performance, uh, you know, we don't want to be too negative. So we always want to end on a positive. So let's start with the reasons for despair for this Titans team coming out of this game against the Chiefs. Well, it, it, I think I know you felt this way. I, I think the majority of our listeners did as well. When the Chiefs tied the game and we were in overtime, and the Chiefs won the toss, and they're driving down the field. At that point, the Titans' defense is gassed, and they had a great stand. They don't allow the touchdown to end the game. Field goal. But the game was over anyway. You knew, you knew the Titans did not have the guy to go make a play. Period. And that's the reason for despair. In tight window ball games, the quarterback, whether it's Tannehill or Malik Willis, has to step up and throw to a player that's going to come down with the football. And Mike Vrabel, 
Uh, to his credit and to many, uh, Malik Willis did at the game. He was hoping a guy was going to get open. Vrabel's hoping a guy's going to make a catch, not the catch, a catch. And that's the issue with this team right now. The positive, though, is their defense, their special teams, and their running back and their head coach will keep them in tight window ball games. But ultimately, and it's been my point of contention all offseason and this season, you can start stacking wins in the regular season. When you've got to play premier teams on a weekly basis in the postseason, your quarterback has to step up and make plays. And this team can't do that because there's not enough weapons around him, especially if you're not going to be able to turn around and hand the ball to Derrick Henry. And reasons for hope coming out of this game, I'm assuming most of it comes on the defensive side with what we saw with this well, Titans team. Maybe they are just that good. Well, think about the role players, Chad, with uh, – around Jeffrey Simmons, David Long, who is who has emerged and, and blossomed within this defense. He knows his he role. He may be my favorite Titan right now, the way he plays. Man, he, he's he's on he is on point every week. Christian Fulton. Um and, and just start start rolling through the defense. Um Tier Tart was outstanding in this game. Danico Autry, incredible performance in the middle. I mean they got after Mahomes, one of right now my MVP favorite in the league. And despite the passing yards, they they did a number on him. I mean, they they did a tremendous job. And then special teams, Ryan Stonehouse, field position game, perfect in this game. Kick coverage, Hassan Haskins, awesome. Randy Bullock hitting big kicks in Arrowhead. They did everything they could do except find a playmaker offensively, which they're not going to pull out of the the, the rabbit's hat. That's that's the biggest issue, Chad. And I, everyone in that locker room is looking around, knowing exactly that. Derrick Henry went around to the entire defense and shook their individual hands after the game in the locker room. He knows. Everyone knows. And Vrabel's even admitted it to, to Ed Werder now. Everyone wants to talk about Malik Willis. We'll do that when we come back. It's Tennessee Power Hour, powered by Outkick, served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. Coming back next with more Titans Talk. The Tennessee Power Hour. Get Jonathan Hutton's breakdown of this week's Titans matchup next. Cheers, Hutt. Cheers, Withrow. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business. Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. Head to GreenbrierDistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey and Nelson Brothers Bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get you some Greenbrier. Nelson's Greenbrier reminds you to drink responsibly. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right, and you'll always get the best price. I know because my family has been buying from them for years. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. Hey, it's Hutton. Get prepared for your next tailgate with my friends at Edley's Barbecue. You've got options. Wings in 25 or 50 count platters, smoke pulled pork, the best brisket, tender turkey, and scratch-made sides family style. Edley's is perfect on game day or for take-home. Edley's Barbecue smokes all meats low and slow, and all sides are classic family recipes, fresh every day. Edley's is a tribute to all things Southern and authentic to all things Tennessee. 
Nashville style barbecue, Edley's barbecue. Order at edleysbbq.com. Hello, Tennessee Power Hour listeners. My name is Hunter Briley, and I'm with Regal Realty Group. And my name is Richard Van Clive. I'm also with Regal Realty Group. And we are great friends that treat our clients like great friends, because that's how we want to be treated. We are also born and raised here in Middle Tennessee and support our local team. And with an economy that's affecting everything except the real estate market, it's important to do business with friends that can tell you what's what. From contract to closing, everything in between, we have you covered. Go to RegalRG.com to get started. And happy football season. is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Tennessee Power Hour, powered by Outkick, served up by Nelson's Greenbrier. Tennessee whiskey, enjoy responsibly, 45.5% alcohol by volume. With Jonathan Hutton, I'm Chad Withrow. Continuing talking about the Titans, we've been discussing the overtime loss in Kansas City. We'll also talk about this upcoming week's matchup at home against the Denver Broncos. But our title sponsor, Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, that gets me thirsty. And what better to chase the Tennessee whiskey with than some delicious Tennessee barbecue? Jonathan Hutton has that Tennessee barbecue you need to check out. Nashville-style barbecue is Edley's Barbecue Meat Smoked Low and Slow, made from scratch side dishes. And Edley's, they've got the best brisket, high-quality meats. They smoke their meats in-house daily. They are great for catering parties and tailgates. They're a, they have an event space in East Nashville, for instance, that can be rented out. And you can contact catering at edleysbbq.com to place an order for your next tailgate. Uh, pickup and delivery options are available for you there. And also keep this in mind. They've got take-home options for you for Thanksgiving. You need to go ahead and reserve those at edleysbbq.com. Four locations in Middle Tennessee, Sylvan Park, East Nashville, 12 South, and now open in Donaldson, but they're open in Chattanooga and across the great state of Tennessee, and they're authentic to all things Tennessee. Edley's Barbecue, Nashville-style barbecue, edleysbbq.com. Let's talk Malik Willis. Start number two, I thought there were some encouraging signs at points in this game, but Hutton, it, clearly, it, it remains that clearly this is a guy not ready to start in the NFL. We knew that after the Texans game. We saw it again against the Chiefs. I also believe that if you're only focused on Malik Willis and not other offensive deficiencies, you're taking your eye off the ball with this Titans team and the situation they're in right now. But they may have to go another week with Malik Willis as the starting quarterback as Ryan Tannehill recovers. So overall, what have you seen from Malik Willis? What do you think if they have to play with him again this Sunday against the Broncos? Well, I did I did think we saw improvement in the game plan. I thought they got away from the read option and I don't know why. Run it more. Like it just makes too much sense. Well, using his best skill set. If you're not going to allow him to throw it, and they shouldn't, I'm not advocating for this, um, more than fifteen to seventeen times. And some of that they didn't even really want to throw it. It was third and long and they had to, uh, fourth and twenty one or whatever it was, and they had to. But, Chad, he was four for his final 15 attempts, and he was sacked three times all late in the game. That that comes with inexperience. And sometimes just get a first down. Like, <laughs> just get a first down. Keep the defense on the sideline. A lot of them rest. Don't go three and out. And that's easier said than done for a guy making his second career start. And you're exactly right. I mean, uh, Ryan Tannehill, in some areas of the media and fan base was given a pass last year because of the injuries to his offense. He was throwing to 
Nick Westbrook-Akine, and Cody Hollister at the end of the year. That's exactly who Malik Willis has as options right now. And thank goodness for Austin Hooper, who actually came up with a couple of catches. Um, Chigakonkwo, Hilliard, the wide receivers, zero catches, none. This is the worst wide receiving core in the NFL, and they don't have a very good backup right now. They have someone they can develop. They don't have a very good backup option right now behind Tannehill. We knew it last year. It's certainly the case this year, and they need Tannehill back, but who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll see if he's able to do that. He made the trip to Kansas City. He was lobbying to play. They decided not to play him, and now he returns home to take on the Denver Broncos, who have a very good defense. Malik Willis needs to be on the move more than in the pocket. Denver Broncos, good defense, not a good offense with Russell Wilson and led by Nathaniel Hackett so far this season. Malik Willis will not be the best player on the field on Sunday. We certainly know that. But Hutton, who will be the best player on the field in this Titans-Broncos game? I think so. I think they're going to take away the best player on the field Sunday just based on game plan and necessity. Patrick Sertain is the best player on the field that no one's talking about. His team allows opponents to to pick up wins, but Sertain he, he does he allows virtually nothing on the outside uh, when the ball is thrown his way. His former teammate Von Miller um, on the the Von cast he was with Richard Sherman. Sherman was his guest, and they broke down Sertain's game. And Miller was like, this guy by the end of this season will be considered the best cornerback in the NFL. And he may already be there. He's a physical cover corner. He locks down the best receiver every week. He's very good in the run game as well. That's probably where we'll see him more is in the run game and run support because there's no wide receiver that Patrick Sertain is going to have any problem with this week as the Titans return home. Really thought you were going to say Jeffrey Simmons as the best player. So I'm well, it could be. Uh, well, he answer. can be. He absolutely can be. But it, I think from the Broncos' standpoint, I think the Titans have a chance to just take him out because they don't want to throw the football. <laughs> so he's going to be a non-factor because the Titans aren't going to throw his way and won't throw opposite him either. And you've got to block Jeffrey Simmons on every play, no matter what, whether it's no a doubt. run or a pass. So that's that's no definitely doubt. part of a game plan for the Broncos or anyone playing the Titans. What's the biggest advantage for the Titans on Sunday, Hutton, when you look at this matchup with the Broncos? Chad, you are going to love this. Are you ready? Yes. We have Mike Vrabel on the Titans sideline. They have Nathaniel Hackett. If you're a Titans fan, that's that, exactly the advantage you want. That is unfair. That 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 is, uh, you know, uh, early season Alabama playing Holy Cross level mismatch <laughs> in terms of coaching when you look at Vrabel versus Nathaniel Hackett, who is a one-and-done coach. Does Holy Cross play football? They do. Oh, do they? They do. I, I saw them uh, recently. You know, that they had on one of these uh, college football recap shows, they had like a top five play oh, uh, wow. of the week. So, yeah, they 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 play some football at Holy Cross also. It, it, Don't sleep on Holy Cross football, Hutton. It's a massive advantage for the Titans every single week. Um I don't there, it, few and far between where Mike Vrabel has been out coached, but there are games going into any given Sunday, Chad, where I know the better coach is on the Titan sideline. Um, he's already among the top in the league, and while I'm not saying he out coached Andy Reid, Andy Reid didn't out coach Mike Vrabel. But I can tell you right now, Nathaniel Hackett has zero chance of doing that. Now, can he go with an onside kick? that's well executed and get an extra possession or can Russell Wilson 
uh, all of a sudden look like uh, the, the the Super Bowl winning version of himself. Sure, whatever. But it's not going to be because of Nathaniel Hackett grinding film on the Tennessee Titans because the game plan is pretty simple. And we know who the more physical more physical uh, opponent will be for, for each sideline. It'll be the Titans setting the tone. I know that we're expecting a dogfight in this game. It's going to be a very close football game coming down to the wire. But I feel like I could say that about every Titans game this year. Exactly. Whether it's a good opponent or a bad opponent, it's simply not a team that's going to race ahead of anyone unless you get some weird game where you've got two or three defensive touchdowns or a special teams touchdown in a game. It's an offense that's never going to separate from anyone and a defense that won't allow the other team to separate. It's an offense that's not going to post more than 24 at best. I mean, it on their own. Defensively, you can get a score, you can get a, a, a punt block, and they can do there, – there can be avenues to post points. But the, offensively, it is a long, hard grind. And we, we know it's going to be a, a grind and a dogfight of a game, as you mentioned, because the Broncos also play that same style. Their offense can be described the same way. And on Sunday – I don't think it's some easy cakewalk, despite how bad the Broncos have been. They're coming off of their game in London, and they're coming off a win against Jacksonville. They're coming off a bye, so the Titans have their second straight opponent coming off a bye with some rest. I think they'll be you know, ready to go, and I think they'll know the, the tone and the style that they're going to have to match. I just think it's tough to do that against the Titans in the trenches, especially against the Titans' defensive front. That's where they have continued to stack their identity week after week. Harold Landry being down was a huge loss. Bud Dupree getting hurt with the hip, big loss. But the tone continues to be Simmons, Autry, Tart, Weaver. They find these grinders and put them next to their marquee premier talent in Jeffrey Simmons, and they get after you. And by the second half, it is, uh, I mean, if you've made it to the second half and you haven't been KO'd yet, um, chances are it's it's going to play a toll on your offensive line and your run game. And that's what the Titans are betting on. The Broncos know this, though. And uh, I, I think they'll be up for a, a physical challenge. And that's why I think it's a, a field goal, six-point, one-possession ball game in the fourth quarter against a bad Denver Broncos team and a, and a poorly coached Denver Broncos team. What's your prediction, Hutton, official score prediction for this game? 21-13 Titans, and it is extremely tight in the fourth. And I think Derrick Henry uh, finally comes to life in a second half in what has been difficult for Henry to get going this year. It's been an anomaly for him compared to his career. I think in the fourth quarter, he can put it away with a score. You've got a scoring outburst in the Titans with the, those <laughs> points. I'm going to go 13-10. to 10. Uh, 13-10 Titans in a very low-scoring and, quite frankly, boring game. But there's nothing boring about winning. Let's get back to winning this weekend. Balls and Titans. We were 0-2 this past weekend. Let's get to 2-0 for next week's Tennessee Power Hour. We're always powered by OutKick, served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. Enjoy responsibly. 45.5% alcohol by volume. And let's have a great week, everyone. <laughs>